Howdy folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of Life Around the Fire. My name is David Utari and I'll be your host today. We are a podcast that is devoted to spiritual growth. And when I'm talking about spiritual growth, what I'm really referring to is growth in our relationship with God and, 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 and our relationships with one another. What I'd like to do in today's episode is continue on with this whole theme of unity, right? Unity. Unity is such a powerful thing that God, check this out, God, once again, not the nice guy next door or not your good school teacher that you had back in fifth grade, but God, I mean, God, the creator of all things visible and invisible, God. God said that he would decree or he would declare, he would speak, he would show up where unity is. He would command his blessings. In Psalm 133, it says that where there's unity, he commands his blessing. Life forevermore, eternal life. That's the life of God. God's presence. God's very presence, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, the great I am. I was grasping for a word there, the one and only, the one who is and was and is to come, the one who always was and always will be, (laughs) God. God has declared that his blessing, his abundant supply of life would be found where there's unity. He didn't say where there's uniformity or unanimity. Uniformity is agreeing to like dress the same way, talk the same way. You have to believe exactly the same way. North Korea, right? Uniformity. Unanimity. Unanimous. You have to have a unanimous vote. Well, you can have somebody who is absolutely disgruntled with the next person sitting right next to them, and they can actually hate them. But because the situation that they're voting on, they want to vote the same way, that's unanimity, unanimous. Way different than uniformity, or unity, I should say, than unity. Unity is in a class all by itself, and so it's precious, right? I mean, if it was available for everybody, we would all be doing it and it would be easy. However, 
Unity is not necessarily an easy thing to achieve because we are so different. We have so many different angles that we look at the world through. We have so many different languages that we speak. We have so many differences that to be truly united takes an act of God. Amen. (laughs) True unity, like salvation, like being born again, True unity requires an act of God. It requires us being born of his spirit. For us to one day just say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have unity with everyone around me. Or you say to someone that you might be teaching a session on unity, you say, well, Jim, for the next three weeks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach on unity. And by then, I hope we should really probably achieve it by then, you know. A series on unity. <laughs> ah, if you were that simple, right? Unity is something that sometimes takes time. It takes time in each one of us because there are things within us that just prevent that from taking place. And those things don't necessarily die easy. Now, one of the terms that are that we find in the Bible that's used for unity is found in Psalm 133. And the psalmist said that when he considered unity, he said it's like the precious oil, the anointing oil that was used to pour on Aaron, the high priest, and signify that he was the high priest of Israel. So they took a ram's horn full of this precious precious, fragrant oil made up of five things. And they poured it on Aaron's head. And Psalmist said, that's what unity is like. Now, the five things that he's talking about or that are referred to in this anointing oil are myrrh, cinnamon, calamus, cassia, and olive oil, all taken from Exodus chapter 30, verses twenty. Through 25. Those are the ingredients that God instruct it <clears throat> excuse me. Those are the ingredients that God instructed Moses to provide for the Israelites when they were preparing the anointing oil to be used not only on the high priest, but all throughout the tabernacle that they would use for worship. Everything was anointed by this oil. And so the psalmist looks at this oil and said, That's what unity's like. Huh. That's what unity is like. I mean, unity flows, yeah, and unity is something that is requires God's hand, God's presence. Because when the priest, the high priest was anointed with oil, the presence of God accompanied that environment and an entire nation was united to worship God. Two keys, they were united to worship God, not a created image of God, but God. They were united to worship. And so unity is designed to function best in an environment of worship. It's something that is powerful and it's demonstrable And one of the areas that we recognize it is in the area of worship. Have you ever walked into 
a worship setting where people are really focused in on God and not themselves. They are zeroed in on exalting the Lord and you can feel it. They are united and the presence and the power of God is evident. We want, I want, I cry out to God for more and more and more of that. More of his presence because his presence brings about more unity and more unity brings about his presence. They work hand in hand. It's a wheel within a wheel. What I want to look at today is this whole aspect of unity taking some time. Once again, if unity was so easy, then anyone and everyone would be doing it. And if we saw that it's really powerful, well, we'd be making some money on unity. We'd market it, sell it, and put it in a bottle, do whatever, and call it unity. But that's not how unity works. Unity is something that is costly, like the precious, precious, precious oil that was used to anoint Aaron. It was costly. It was made up of different ingredients, just like unity is made up of different people. It's not just one person. It's a group of people. It's a diverse group of people. Not people that are all baby boomers getting together with their particular wish list of things that they want. Calling that church. It is a group of diverse people that come together, drawn together by God, God creating within them a unity that is so undeniable that it creates that environment where people stand up and look at it and say, that's different. That is something that is not usual. That I can see that. I can feel that. I can tell. Have you ever walked into a group of close people? Of course you have. That they really get along with each other. You can feel it. Now, real unity, you can almost smell it, man. It becomes so evident. And it is in John chapter 17, it is the high priestly prayer of Jesus the night that he was betrayed, he prayed this prayer that we, not just his disciples then, but us right now, we would be one as he is one with the Father. As he is one with the Father. They were so inseparable that where one stopped and the other started, you couldn't really tell. We are to be like that. Because when we are like that, God said, I'm comfortable living in that because that's how I am. God is united. The Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Lord Jesus are united. They are one. They are three, but they are one. They support each other. They look after each other. They look out for each other. They uplift each other. And they are one. So they can live in a in an environment that is united. Outside of that, it's not heaven being manifest on earth. It's something different. God looks to have his presence made known on earth as it is in heaven. And it happens because of unity. Not uniformity, not unanimity, unity. And one of the ingredients, as I mentioned before, in this anointing oil that the psalmist looks at and says, that's what unity is like. It's an interesting plant called 
calamus. And calamus in its symbolic form symbolizes humility because calamus is grown in the swamps. <laughs> I know a little bit about swamps. I was raised in Maple Hill, just outside of Hibbing, Minnesota. And we had a 40-acre farm. And on the farm, we had a swamp. And in the swamp, certain things lived in that swamp that didn't live anywhere else. Now, me, as a kid, I liked the swamp because it had tadpoles, had frogs, had birds, had all kinds of wildlife, and it was just really cool. But also, it had, like I said, different plants that wouldn't grow anywhere else. And it's interesting. There are some things that won't grow anywhere else except in the swamps of life. <laughs> Sometimes you say, oh, man, I just feel like I am just, I don't know, man. My life is really hard right now. I feel like I'm walking uphill all the time. It's hard. Day after day after day, it's hard. And it feels like I'm kind of like living in a swamp or something, you know? Well, swamps are actually very important. They do a variety of things. Swamps actually filtrate water. Water that's dirty can come in one end of the swamp and out the other end of the swamp, it comes out clean. Swamps also, like I said, grow certain things that won't grow anywhere else. Just like in life, there are certain things that won't develop like humility. Humility won't develop unless we go through hard times. And true humility requires a challenge. I had an opportunity to exercise that several years ago. I heard some information. Now, this is a story about it, right? I heard some information about what was going on in this particular get-together of people. It happened to be a church. And there were people that were upset by how the leadership of that church were. They were, they were handling things. And so... They came over and they started talking to me about it and I got involved, which was number one, that was wrong of me to get involved. It was none of my business, really. Okay, but I made it my business because I said, well, it's the church and I'm part of the body of Christ. And also it made me look like I was going to become some sort of hero to these people that had a problem. They came to me and I said, ah, okay, well, I'll, I'll handle that. And they had a public get together where they were going to talk about the problem that was going on. And I showed up at that public meeting. I was not a member of that church. I was an outside leader of another church. Get the picture? Okay. So I show up and the leader of that particular fellowship that was having the problem noticed that I was there and they felt really good. They thought, all right, reinforcements on the way. And I got up and I basically just exposed all the difficulties that that person as a leader, had in their life and how they were not fit for leadership. And I just went down a list of things that was really none of my business again. And I walked away hoping when I was done that I would feel righteous, right? You know, that good feeling in your belly that, all right, I did a good job. It was hard, but it was good. Uh-uh. I walked away and I was immediately immediately being confronted by the Holy Spirit saying, what in the world were you thinking? You got to make this right, David. You're going to have to go back to these people. You're going to have to humble yourself. 
And I'm telling you, humbling yourself is not as easy as it sounds. I had to go back to these people, an entire leadership team of people. They're bored of elders, officers, all that stuff. I had to go before them. Nobody called me to do it except God. Nobody called me on the carpet, but I went. I humbled myself and went and said that I was wrong. Now you think, all right, man, you did good, right? I, I mean, I did the right thing. But to this very day, our relationship is different. It's not as free-flowing as it used to be. And quite frankly, I don't blame the person for having it be like that or for it being like that. So humility, though. Humility comes with experience, and sometimes it's difficult. The swamp is not an easy place to be, but it produces something that is useful down the road, and it's called unity. Or it's involved in this thing called the anointing. The anointing, the presence of God, the whole element of unity, and the fact that we go through difficult times. Maybe right now you're facing that situation, as I said earlier. You're just in a spot, man, where it's like, why am I, ah, why does it feel like this? Well, I can't say for sure, obviously, but I'm going to throw this in for consideration. Perhaps you're in a swamp because a little bit of calamus, a little bit of humility is growing in your life that will bring itself into play when it comes time for there to be a need, as it were, where there's a need for unity because God wants to show up like he did in the book of Acts chapter 2. Psalm 133, John 17, Acts 2, and Exodus 30 are great studies for anyone to dive into pertaining to unity if you want to take this a little bit deeper on your own which I highly, highly, highly encourage you to do. You know, a little sidebar. If you're not getting fed, quote, unquote, getting fed where you're at in your fellowship, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just might mean that you are being challenged on your own to dig in deeper and not be spoon-fed by someone else. Yeah, something to think about. Time to grow up, right? eat meat, meat is in the street, doing the stuff is where it's at, not just reading about it, how about doing it, practicing, getting some experience, failing, all that good stuff. Interestingly enough, that leads to unity because we drop our idealism, we get into how it really is, finding out that it's not quite as easy as we thought, or we also might find it's not quite as hard as we thought or as impossible. Oh, it's impossible. We'll never be united. That group of people, they, ah, forget about them. The other thing about unity is you don't give up real quick. You have to go through stuff together, not just on your own. There are things that we have to go through together, and we live in such a disposable society where if we don't like something, we'll throw it away. Or we don't like something, we just change. We don't like a channel that we're watching. We change the channel, man, right? On your television, whatever. 
We don't like the church we go to. We go to another one. There's 5,500 other kinds. Like going to either Burger King or McDonald's. That's really not the way we're designed to be. We're actually designed to stick through things. Because the end result can far exceed the problems that we find ourselves in. The end result doesn't necessarily justify the means, but sometimes the means do produce something in the end that we couldn't see. God can see it. He knows it. He knows your steps. He's ordered your steps when you're in league with him. And so, the Spirit of God is speaking to his church around the world. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world is getting a big time talking to about unity. And it's not a scolding. It's an encouragement. It's an understanding. It's knowing that God is going to manifest himself sovereignly, which will produce the unity necessary. But what we do once he does that is up to us. If we stick to it and through it, we can have lasting unity. Praise God. We don't have to have short-lived little weekend conferences that are good where we get revved up and then the week later we're kind of like not so much. We can live a lifestyle of unity where our household is united. Say, I, I, <laughs> you definitely don't know my household. Uh, listen, man, I've been divorced twice. I know a little bit about households. I know a little bit about how they go wrong and I know a little bit about how they work. And they don't work if we are just doing our own thing and we don't care and we don't try. If we apply ourselves and we align ourselves with the word of God, both written and his spoken word to our hearts, we'll find that our relationships actually blossom. They actually grow. They actually change. People around us change because they see things, but also they feel things. And also God is doing things that we can't see when we're sleeping. He's working on us, in us, but also on people and in other people. Those people that are like, you don't know my family, people. So unity starts with God because God is united. It reaches out to us. We get anointed with the presence of the Lord. He teaches us that there is a way that we're going to be united, and some of it is going to be costly, and some of it is going to even involve having to get stuff that we experienced in the swamp. Because humility is important. Having an understanding that you're not just all it, you know, we don't have to look down on ourselves, but at the same point in time, we don't have to be like looking down on other people. Humility is esteeming others better than ourselves, even when we think highly of ourselves. We just put someone a little bit more. Serve them. Serve them with gratitude. Serve them with honesty. Serve them with that feeling in your belly that it's right. It's just the right thing to do. Righteousness. Doing it with joy 
and having peace about it. In the Holy Spirit, that's the kingdom of God. That's the culture of God's kingdom. That is the culture of unity. That's where God commands his blessing. He goes, even life forevermore. That's what Jesus prayed for in John 17, his high priestly prayer. You think it's going to be answered? If there's going to be any prayer ever that's going to be answered, it's going to be the prayers of Jesus. Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came with that mighty rushing sound of a sound of a wind that was just so deafening that people couldn't hear anything else but that sound. And then a pillar of fire where tongues of fire came spitting off of it, landing on people. Angelic beings, the presence of the Lord. Life forevermore was being commanded there because they were united in one accord. Exodus chapter 30, learning about the anointing oil what goes into it, the process of even making it. That stuff had to be boiled, man. This stuff, it had, it had to break down. We have to break down. Things in our life need to be broken down so we can be joined together. It's a blend. That is unity. And that's what the psalmist looked and said, ah, it's like oil flowing down Aaron's head, down his beard, down his robe, down to the hems of his garment. We'll pick this up again in the next episode. What I'd like to do right now is take a moment and pray. Father, God, in your wisdom, you said that you'd command your blessing, life, your life, forevermore, eternal. You'd be in unity because you are unity. Teach us how to love like you love, how you love one another and how you become one or how you are one, how you've been one, never become one. You are one always. How you have that, teach us so that we can blend together. We can become one like you're one. We, we become one oil, one fragrant oil that you pour out. God, we thank you for how you teach us. We thank you for your kingdom, for citizenship in your kingdom, for relationship with you, for the love that you demonstrate to us, and now for the way that we can receive it through Jesus Christ by your spirit. Holy Spirit, come and anoint us in a fresh way with the oil of unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, folks, I love you. If you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, all that good stuff, please feel free to drop us a line at lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. Life Around the Fire is all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. In the meantime, God bless you. Adios, amigos.